Hi, I'm Julian. I'm Tom. We are Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. We are also Team Binge. Thank you for joining us. We are going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 7, which is called... Headspace. Headspace. Space. 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 Very good. I will make that echo in post, as they say in the biz. This one was written by Phoebe Walsh. Tom, who does Phoebe Walsh play in the show? I believe Phoebe Walsh plays Nate Shelby of the Richmond soccer team. So the meanest person on earth? (sighs) The villain, apparently, of season two. Oh, man. No, Phoebe Walsh is Jane. Jane Mm. the chess player, I believe, is her full name. Yes. So she wrote this one. Good on her. Themes for this episode... Roy and Keeley establishing, I guess, boundaries or like going through <laughs> while Keeley establishing boundaries, Roy not knowing he was doing anything wrong. Yeah. A little miscommunication between this couple. Yes. And communication is, I'm told, somewhat important in a relationship. It's the key to happiness. Now, would you have thought when you were like, oh, Roy being in a relationship, would you have thought like clinginess or like a lack of personal space would have been his issue? No. Yeah, mine would have been like anger, maybe <laughs> abusiveness, or, uh, and I don't mean to laugh about those things, but that's I mean, kind got, of his personality. Yeah, we got some angry Roy kind of towards the end of the episode where they finally confront each other, but no, I, I felt like all those, that was totally even keeled reaction for both of them. Keely the even keel, I call her now. <laughs> even keely. Yes, I like it. exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that. I mean, Roy Roy kind of goes off the handle. She kind of goes off the handle when they eventually kind of have the conversation, but could have had a basic conversation the whole time, which I think Rebecca is pushing heavily throughout the episode. Just talk to the man. Right. You can solve it. Heaven forbid we talk to each other more. Normal, normal <laughs> conversations does not make good TV, Tom. I guess that's very true. I Actually, uh, I would never mind. I'm not going to say it now. Doesn't we'll... make good podcasts either. <laughs> no, not that. I was going to say <laughs> what happens in this doesn't make good TV either. But uh, I don't want to tip my hat or my hand, as they say. I'm going to go ahead and tip our hats in our hands. This was not a great episode. Okay. I don't. I don't think either of us. We we did a little pre-episode discussion. Not our favorite. Uh, the fact that they make Nate this fun-loving character in season one and now have seemingly turned him full heel is is just crazy. Yeah, we'll get into it. So that leads us to our other theme is Nate dealing with his fame, I guess, or yeah. dealing with, I guess, a level of success he hasn't seen before. Here's what I'm going to say. And I'm jumping the gun on some stuff because we'll get into it in a little bit more detail. But I, I like the concept of what they're trying to do with Nate. And I think his struggle with dealing with fame and i think how and i mean I'm, we're not famous by any means but like how famous people deal with social media and looking at comments and people commenting on your life that have no context or anything i think it's an interesting concept to bring somebody in uh to kind of from that outsider's perspective but he just goes off the rail just so quickly and he's not famous he had one little game that he made some play right and they're trying to play it up like oh Everybody on Twitter, everybody, all these commentators love him. He just haven't earned it. So I don't know. Right. Not again. No, I'm uh, I'm 100% with you. The other main thing of the episode is Ted going to, not going to, <laughs> kind of going to, settling on therapy. He has a Sam and Diane relationship with therapy. 
on and off again. I don't know that one time on this podcast we've ever used the term Sam and Diane um, correctly, because I don't know Cheers. If so. I keep using it, it's going to fit somewhere. That's true. Uh, <laughs> clock broken is right twice a day. I think that's exactly how that saying goes. You know Episode opens up with Keely and Roy. The first thing I noticed was, one, the book on the nightstand, yep. which plays a pivotal role during this episode. What book is Huge. it? It's Dan Brown's... Um, the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. Allow me to finish it for Excuse you. The, we like to do a bit where we finish each other's sandwiches. That's the one. Uh, and then the song playing, which is I Got You, Babe, by... Sunny and Cher. Did you connect this with any other form of entertainment or media thing? I connected this to Sunny and Cher. Okay. So, Groundhog's Day, the Bill Murray show. Ah, the Bill Murray show. Bill the, Murray Bill, movie. the Bill Murray show movie. In the biz, we call them either or. <laughs> okay. So, this is the song that plays every morning when his yep. alarm clock goes on. It sure is. And I. And so this is clearly an homage to Groundhog's Day because they push in on an alarm clock, oh, don't they? And then yeah. they play this in the background. Well, and I you think, think this is unintentional? No. Now, initially, I was kind of like, it seems a little fast and loose because they only do one sequence of them waking up. But to Keeley's kind of point, like he's always around, he's always there. It's repeating itself over and over again. Right. I could see it. Okay. Well, I thought it was a direct homage. I think it's fast and loose. As Richard would say. Ooh, fancy. Homage. All right. So we are seeing these pictures of Roy and Keeley's life together. And I, on the first watch, didn't really understand what they were trying to do here. Agreed. Just seemed like two people, like, in a relationship, you know, clearly kind of spending a lot of time together. Even though they're not married, that's fine. You know, I don't really understand it. The good book says no, but that's <laughs> fine. I'm not going to... Anyways. Uh, um, so... <laughs> It's like supposed to show us how much time they spent together, but I didn't think of it as a negative thing. I, I think the only thing it really shows us is Keely uncomfortable. And you don't know why Keely's uncomfortable. Like once this scene ends and it has Nate kind of walking down the street and him going to his parents' house, sure. it, it just shows like a close-up of Keely's face and just her kind of like like grimace or something. Like you didn't understand what was going on. From my perspective, I'm like, oh, great, like, let's just crap on another couple that we started to love on this show. Mm. And they're kind of moving in this direction. I thought they were going to, like, try to break them up or create a bunch of animosity, um, which they obviously solved throughout this episode. But uh, I was concerned. I thought, like, there's towards the end where she, like, departs from him in the building and is going down the hallway. Mm. And then he, like, <laughs> rejoins her. My thought was, oh, she has been trying to go to the bathroom this whole time and he won't leave her alone to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this might... And that's not where it went. So, mm. I don't know. Yep. Anyways, then Nate visits his mom and dad, his mom and dad. Mm -hmm. We establish that Nate is obviously trying to earn his parents' approval. We saw this in the restaurant one when he couldn't get that blasted. Oh, he did get the window seat eventually. Yeah. But he's trying to win his dad's approval. But we also see him constantly on Instagram. Twitter. He's okay. on Twitter. So the thing he's scrolling down is not Instagram. It's Twitter. Instagram has pictures. Twitter is more text. I felt like the things he was looking at had pictures, Tom. Twitter has the capability to do pictures. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. I knew it wasn't MySpace, and I knew it wasn't Bumble. So that's why you didn't know. That's fair. His dad tells him, he's like... I don't know what they're trying to do there. They're trying to like paint 
Nate is tragic here or like that his dad's not giving I mean I think it is a big deal he's on the paper like yeah maybe oh, just a local paper is. that's a big deal the dad doesn't necessarily react with a whole lot of uh, pride or acknowledgement this show seemingly just hates or loves to explore father-son relationships okay like you have Ted and Henry like Ted in last episode like had a mental breakdown be or a panic attack because of his relationship with Henry or lack of a relationship you have Jamie and his father and all their back and forth. And okay. now they're creating uh, strife or issues with Nate and his father, which I thought he's interesting because later when Ted gets to therapy, and I think at a certain point he says like, oh, we're just going to go through all this. And you're going to tell me that's probably my parents' fault. Right. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to kind of play that in where it's a lot of people struggle with that family dynamic and that relationship. But I thought his dad was on point in terms of like what he told him in terms of like trying to be humble right. and that kind of piece. But I guess the show likes it. I, I guess like, what were they trying to do here? Were they trying to be like, Hey, this is what drives Nate to become the heel or to become the, the like kind of jerk that he becomes because even his own parents are giving him like the level of respect he deserves. Yeah, I'm with you. Like this, this scene doesn't seem like you don't need it. Like we've already seen Nate scrolling through his phone and being kind of like very, I don't want to say egotistical, but he's like all up in his head about this Wonder Kid thing that's right. on the internet that he's scrolling through it. Um, and then the other part of me is like, hey man, at a certain point, just acknowledge your dad's not a very good dad. Like <laughs> if he's not gonna like give you any kind of props that you're in the paper and he's yeah. gonna like purposely ignore it. Maybe not a great dude. You know, I don't know how the rest of the relationship goes. The dad wasn't, like, all that impressed with the the table that Nate fought so hard to get him, which is fine, but uh, at a certain point... Like, I, didn't, I didn't like that newspaper either. He was screaming at a newspaper. That's fair. I mean, he's screaming at politicians. He's probably not going to give his son the time of day. I don't know. I did appreciate the... A uh, box that was decorated like a leprechaun. Yeah. No, so that's obviously a callback to season one. Did he say like he decorated them or he had like a niece or something that did? I thought he had a niece that liked to decorate boxes. Okay. And that's how he started decorating the boxes as an arts and craft project with his niece. Oh, okay. Right. So, but he seemingly didn't know this box. No. So the niece is just delivering um, okay. decorated boxes to aunts and uncles. That's That's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Uh, I'm realizing now that your nieces don't deliver you decorated boxes. No, I'm trying right now. Okay, well, I only have one niece, and she's three months old, and she hasn't delivered me anything. <laughs> so, other than uh, happiness. <laughs> so, we <laughs> then go to Ted uh, entering therapy for his first appointment. And, Tom, my question for you You've been anti-therapy for a very long time. Hate him. You just hate him. Hate him. The worst. No, no, no. Not therapist. Therapy as a as a process. Oh, yeah. No, no, too great. Okay. So, uh, talk to us about therapy and why you think it's so bad. Uh, I have all the answers. That's fair. Uh, I don't need somebody else to tell me my business. That's fair. And mind your own p's and q's. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, you know what? I don't like you asking me that question. <laughs> So this scene opens up and I am trying not to just like <laughs> say what I don't like about this episode. There's like some funny stuff in here. Um, but this bit where Ted comes in and he does the sitting thing. <laughs> and I thought it took up about half the episode. It was a minute. I, was, I timed it. You timed it. It was, it was a full a minute. A full minute of him right, so stumbling on the couch trying to figure out where to do how to sit. It was one thirty second of uh, the episode. <laughs> But it seemed like a lot longer. 
And I guess we're just supposed to show that Ted is uncomfortable with therapy. Like, Could this have done that with 30 seconds. But I agree. <laughs> <laughs> this is half the time. Good point, Tom. <laughs> I mean, like, I love, like, the jokes where it's, it, it's they, they start doing it and it's not funny. But then they keep doing it, and it's still not. They funny. double down, and yeah, they, they certain jokes keep like yes. doing it, and then it eventually becomes funny. I felt like if you wanted to get to that point, you needed to do almost another minute of it. But they were not. They didn't. No. They didn't go for it. No, I, listen, I'm with you. There are certain <laughs> yeah. jokes that work. This one was never going to hit. No. I was just like, got it. He doesn't want to be in therapy. Yep. Like I'm with you. Let's go. Oh, and it's even after. Maybe well, three minutes of this <laughs> would have gotten us there, Tom. You're right. Triple down. Well, I mean, Dr. Sharon did say, like, the second you stepped into this room, like, that is when this session started. So all of her, maybe she is getting some sort of extra bit by him laying down and moving his arms. Maybe Dr. Sharon knows, oh, so now he's got a problem with his uncle because of that. I don't know, man. I'm grasping. My hope is everyone behind the camera was like, Jason, this is comedy gold, man. Keep keep improv You're doing great. Uh, and then someone on set was like, this isn't very good. <laughs> But it is what it is. I do find that, like, Dr. Sharon, uh, I the actress is great. Oh, but phenomenal. the character, you don't, like, love in the beginning when she shows up mm-hmm. because she's very cold and standoffish. Yep. But, like, very quickly you're like, oh, uh, she's trying to help here, Ted. Like, <clears throat> she's got some valid points. Like, I started to really like her more yeah. in this episode. And I was kind of like, what is what is Ted doing? Well, it's funny the how the Church like... of Lasso's crumbling right now. <laughs> yeah. what, what's happening? It's funny how you like a character more when she says so little. It's just like you see her in that circumstance and how she reacts to Ted. Right. Like she doesn't blow up. She doesn't. And it's kind of what we loved about Ted, I would say, more so in season one, where people are incredibly mean to him, but he always has an optimistic right. uh, uh, sensibility and will always see the good in people. And I think Sharon does that too. Dr. Sharon, excuse me. Uh, she does that too here, um, but she does it in much more of a reserved fashion. Right. And she's like, Ted, don't worry. Like, just the way she delivered that during this first session, mm-hmm. you're like, Ted, she's got you. Like, just tell her what's wrong. Yeah. Because um, she clearly knows he's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then she asks about uh, what happened the other night after the game. So when he's uh, disheveled, clutching the pillow after he had his stomach virus or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves the room and it's like, all right, cool. Are we supposed to believe then that they didn't have any sort of session or talk when Ted was in that room? Like Ted was just crying in her office for however long. And then just said, we need to set up a session. They Ted didn't have- was, Ted was clutching a pillow, disheveled, crying, just had a nervous breakdown. And she was like, listen, my calendar's pretty full right now. <laughs> Tomorrow. So we're going to have to set something up. And he's like, I'll be here first thing in the morning. She's like, ooh, first thing tomorrow morning's no good for me. I'm going out drinking with the team. So going to be hungover. How's Thursday of next month look? I don't know how much time has passed. They probably said it during the scene. But I did not get the sense that it was the next morning. No. And I don't yeah. get the sense that they talked at all that night. So maybe Sharon and they cut this out of the scene. He's like, I think I need help. What is it? He says something to her that night. I guess it's like, oh, I need to set up that appointment. I need to set up the appointment. And she just like slips out of the room and closes the door. (laughs) And he slept there that night. That was it. (laughs) She's like, maybe if I don't answer, we won't know I'm here. (laughs) The 
yeah so that was therapy <laughs> we're back on the, we're back on the pitch for training and ted is going into this whole thing Someone's shouting at the team like during drills, and he's I don't know, it was it was seemingly another coach. I think There's, it's like, yeah, it's like Uno's dos, like vamos, or like whatever. A it's like one, two, three, go. conditioning coach. Yeah. I felt was speaking in a foreign language, but not Spanish. Spanish. It was Spanish. Okay, well, would you like to bet five dollars? <laughs> I would. All right, it was not Spanish. All right. Okay. And he <laughs> is telling the team, Hey, you cannot show them you're tired. Yeah. And I feel like this is an important life lesson just Go on. in general. Go on. You should never let other people see you like sweat, be tired. You should suffer silently. Uh, you should suffer silently. That is the Julian family motto. And, and pretend like it doesn't bother you. <laughs> Certainly in a competitive environment. Like that goes volumes. Like, I mean, have you, I don't know if you have this, but have you ever, like, been exercising with someone? Don't exercise. Okay. Let's go back in the day. Let's okay. say you were exercising back in the day with someone. Okay. And you felt them start to tire. Something inside of you, did it click and go, I'm going to go harder so that person <laughs> feels worse about how they feel right now? Yeah. Do you have that gear? I don't have that gear, but I ha I played with a guy who had that gear, and we all hated him. Because <laughs> he would always run, like, four laps past everybody and make everybody else look bad. There's a gear where you look at someone and you're like, oh, they're tired. <laughs> yeah, we're going to make it hurt now. So Ugh. I have a little bit of that inside of me. Not that I've ever been the most athletic person in the world, but in terms of like endurance and like pain, mm -hmm. um, if I see someone else in more pain, it typically fuels <laughs> makes you feel better. <laughs> Speaking of not going to therapy. Isn't this, uh... <laughs> Isn't this uh, Schadenfreude or whatever? Like you're 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 taking joy out of someone else's pain or Ill, hatred Ill or something, or uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Jordan, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but it isn't my middle name. I've just never been able to pronounce it. <laughs> Ted brings up the Jerky Boys. Are you familiar with the Jerky Boys, Tom? I had heard of them, but I don't. I don't know of their work. Well, you have older brothers. You don't. Your older brothers never introduced you to the Jerky Boys. I don't think they did. No. So. I was introduced to the Jerky Boys by my oldest brother, like a friend of my oldest brother. They were listening to the tapes. And all it is is these guys doing crank calls. Crank yangers. Yeah, crank yangers. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's what I was going to correlate it to. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. part of it was about like, oh, did the Jerky Boys eventually do a puppet show? But no, <laughs> they took the idea and Comedy Central did the crank yeah. yangers. But yeah, it was two guys in like New York and they'd call people up and they'd pretend to be terrible characters and they would just record it. I don't know that you can do that post 9-11 without using the uh, without using the Patriot Act or the uh, Freedom, uh, Freedom of Information Act. Freedom of Information Act. I don't think you can just record people and put it on an album anymore. But uh, simpler times pre 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so the Jerky Boys were funny. They are worth, uh, they're probably, actually, they'd probably be canceled now that I think about them. So I'm not going to endorse them. Listen, Ted Lasso endorsed them. We can endorse them. Okay. <laughs> well, we see that Ted Lasso has gone a little bit off the rails. So I don't know if that's. The... But I do want to say, though, like with, with Ted telling them not to like say they're tired, I think it, it makes sense in that context of sport because you want to, you know, not let the other team know that. Project strength yes. towards your opponent. Exactly. Uh, it's like a little giant where they intimidation. They put the elk seltzer in their mouth. They foam. 
Brilliant. Unforgettable scene. I can picture it in my mind <laughs> yep. as you bring it up. Exactly. Um, but obviously a clear correlation with what... <laughs> the, kid, the kid with the snap muscles and everything. <laughs> oh, good for you. Um, but clear correlation with what Ted is dealing with in his therapy. He's he's hiding his feelings. He's bottling it up inside. And we get a couple sequences of that throughout this episode. See, I never even thought about that, but you're right. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that happen on the pitch mm-hmm. that are people discovering what is happening in the outside world yeah. which we'll talk about later when it happens to roy but because i think there's clever writing in this show um like jane i can't remember the actor actress's name but who writes this uh bb walsh is BB the walsh. writer there, there's clever like tie-ins with the stories but again i think like we've discussed thus far there's a lot of just weird character arcs and developments that i just don't think tied together well overall right <clears throat> the only face you should show is like what face or something like that and beer's like game face baby <laughs> whenever he does the baby sorry for blowing out your speakers but uh, i love when beard does that nate and beard go with the offense and is this where they make fun of him or they're like they're calling him the wonder kid right yeah, so it Making starts fun with of... starts with rojas he kind of gives him a wonder kid jab and then it goes to jamie tart gives him another wonder kid jab and then and goes then to colin. colin colin tries to do kind of the same thing and that's when nate jumps all over him there's something about nate's demeanor like in the beginning of this where he's like god is i don't know he's like posturing and it's very like haughty and i was like <laughs> good I hope they're making fun of you, but I didn't really feel like they were making fun of him. They were just like, is a level of like, he now has a level of notoriety. He made a good call during the game. Mm -hmm. I did not feel like, and I certainly didn't feel like what Colin said to him warranted his reaction when he blew up on Colin. But I also think watching this scene, I don't think it was that bad. I felt like, they were kind of messing with him and Nate gave it back. In retrospect, like watching it a second time, it's obviously more clear of what Nate is doing. But I thought his joke back, all the other guys laughed. They were having a good time with it. It's not like he said something that was too far or too over the line where everybody's like, whoa. Right. The only thing he does is he makes Colin sit. He's like, Colin, you don't have to participate Afterwards, in this yes. drill. Once which is a little bit up. strange. Like, why wouldn't you have him participate in the drill? I think he's just trying to like crush his spirit a little bit more yeah and the thing i did not appreciate is i feel like beard has an obligation right there to be like haha no colin go like join the drill yeah but like beard is i know he's not silent the whole episode but there's certain times beard just like lets things happen again beard it's a weird coach like we don't see a lot of his coaching per se like so i, I, I don't, don't know, know how what... to talk to you <laughs> yeah. or if that's a bad jamie but <laughs> i don't know how to talk to you then it's working yeah um, but I agree. I think his response is weird because, like, uh, Collins has given his mantra, like, I am a strong and powerful person or whatever he says. <laughs> and then and then Beard's just like, cool. Like, that's probably not the best response. Right, right, uh, right, right. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. Later on, I think there's some lines here that get drawn that Beard eventually steps in for. <clears throat> then Sam is in the locker room always looking at chatterbox or what's the app? Banter. <laughs> Banter. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, we find out that... Uh, Sam's favorite film is Ratatouille. How do you feel about Ratatouille? First, give me the synopsis of Ratatouille for the audience that's never watched the Disney masterpiece Ratatouille. Ratatouille is about a rat that is a little chef. He likes to cook stuff. And then he gets into the hat of a bumbling chef and helps that bumbling chef 
cook at a famous French restaurant, and then they make sweet, sweet French food. Oh and man, ratatouille. I thought you were gonna say love. I was no. like, oh man, no, 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 that's, that's what weird. That's the uh, rated or X rated version. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, oh man, I, very. I, I have one lined up, but I'm not gonna say it. Thank you. Okay. Wonderful. Let's move on. But by the way. Have, has this show referenced Ratatouille, or we have just referenced Ratatouille multiple times on this podcast? I don't remember. How often do we talk about Ratatouille? We've referenced it, I think, at least two times in season one with Trent Krim writing the article about like his turn for Ted. Oh, and, you said you, yeah, you yeah. said you got Ratatouille vibes yeah. from that letter reading, mm-hmm. and right. it's like, yeah, the, the critic writing the the Ratatouille uh, food review for this amazing meal. I think it's it's a similar. Concept. I wonder if Phoebe Walsh wrote that episode as well. Maybe I, we should look that one up. Yeah. Trent Grimm, the Independent. <clears throat> a better podcast would. A better podcast would, and we are not called a better <laughs> podcast. We are called. We are not called a better podcast would. We are called believe a dead lasso podcast. Exactly. So we don't have to do crap. <laughs> um, I like Ratatouille. The kids really like Ratatouille. I don't think I'd seen it like, I don't know how old it is, but I had not seen it for like a long time. And Mm -hmm. it was one of those where my wife was like, oh, you haven't seen Ratatouille. You should watch Ratatouille. And I think I watched it with the kids. So it would have been not that long ago. Um, And it's really enjoyable. And I think uh, Keely makes a good point. She's like, the whole point of the movie is that art can come from not like snobbish people, but from anywhere. Exactly. Then we found ourselves with Rebecca Keeley and Higgins. Higgins is awesome. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember when we started this podcast. One of us was <laughs> Team Higgins. One of us was Team Nate. Correct. I was Team Higgins. Uh, Nate is clearly a knob. Uh, <laughs> and Higgins is awesome. Higgins is in a uh, long-term loving relationship with his wife. He loves her dearly. Uh, he is a very uh, sensitive man. Communicates well. He's great. Never done anything wrong to anyone. Not in this season. Not in the last season. Just wait till season three, man. He's going to have some sort of like drug addiction. Uh, <laughs> no, Higgins will be the murderer. Yeah. That's oh, exactly ooh, when this I goes detective, it. Higgins is the murderer. <laughs> Higgins and his five, like the five di- boys. The director of murder operations. <laughs> murder operations. You say murder? Murder, murder, murder. <laughs> Uh, Keely shares that her and Roy are always together. Good acting between, I really appreciate this, Rebecca and Keely. Like, mm-hmm. Keely's trying to give her, Rebecca, advice on how to respond on banter. Higgins is just there to be Higgins. <laughs> and then Rebecca says something about Keely and Roy being, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. And you can see it, like, on Keely's face that, is it perfect? And, like, just that their relationship is fun to watch. And I don't think I would have gotten that from Keely's expression. Uh, like, she said it was kind of, she's like, thank you, and kind of smile. But I didn't necessarily get a sense that there was anything more to it. But I mm. think Rebecca, being a keen and, and kind and loving friend, saw it and asked her the follow-up question. So then she starts to complain, not complain, but she starts to voice that her and Roy are always together. Mm-hmm. Roy enters. And he goes, why are you jazz scatting? (laughs) Which is just so great. And I gotta be honest, I could listen to Higgins and Rebecca jazz scat for a really long time. It was pretty fantastic. Oh, it was really good. Like, she's clearly musically talented. I don't know if that actor actually plays the stand-up bass, but he played it. I guess it's true. And then he he has a college um, story where he, like, played air, a (laughs) stand-up bass. 
But even him doing the scatting, he's like, I think he is the base of the scat line. Right, 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 right. It's great. And then what's funny is after Roy and Keeley leave, they like, two, three, four. And they pick it back up. And yeah, oh, so good. I really enjoyed it. I enjoy Rebecca's voice and her musical talent very much. It was great. Keely and Roy, things get sexual. <laughs> and this is because Keely's trying to do work. Roy comes in being all Roy and all of his dark clothes and his dark beard. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go sit over there and read Da Vinci Code. Because she tells him, she's like, go away. I'm trying to get work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and she finds this so sexual that he <laughs> listened to her suggestion of go over there and read. And this is the return of Dan Brown, The Da Vinci Code. Have you read uh, The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown? My understanding, it is a very sexual book. Is it not? No. 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 I'm sorry. No. I'm I'm thinking of a different book then. I'm thinking about a different book. (laughs) No. You're thinking of the book that The Da Vinci Code's based on, the Bible. Oh, it's kind of sexual. Extremely sexual. Okay. Uh, I don't. Song of Solomon, baby. Read it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't think I've ever read Da Vinci Code. Deer's panting for water and stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm not. I can't. Yes, and that. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not biblically uh, uh, versed. <laughs> you didn't take that at improv. You didn't <laughs> no. take biblical 101 no. improv. Uh, I suck at that Jeopardy category. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got a spit take. <laughs> you almost got a spit take. I'm, that's good. Uh, I mean, I've seen the the Tom Hanks versions. Uh, You've seen the movies? Yes. But haven't read the books? No. I read the book. I remember the book. Like Russ says, the chapters are so short, short <laughs> you can't put it down. Yeah. Which is brilliant. But no, it's a really entertaining book. Um, I remember when it came out and all the hoopla around it. But um, well, I didn't I, have a whole bunch of hoopla. Like, what was the big deal? Was it just like everybody was reading it? It was like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of situation? Oh, man. You've set me up for like <laughs> what I want to talk about the okay. most. So the Da Vinci Code, if I recall right, the theory was that the like the grail, so the Holy Grail, was actually symbolic for Jesus Christ having a child and having a bloodline. Okay. And so the hoopla around it was that, you know, Jesus was never married, never had offspring. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly, yes, that's <laughs> what I'm pointing out. So biblically, Jesus did not have children. But this book and like all the it takes a bunch of like, I don't know, biblical code and stuff and is trying to make this connection. And so I know that let's just call it the Catholic Church, uh, (laughs) I think, had some issues with Dan Brown book. If I'm wrong on any of this, please don't write me. (laughs) This is the one I don't want to answer letters about. I did that all off of memory, having done no research prior to. I just remember the book being pretty pretty entertaining. Nonsense, but entertaining. I just remember I had a little cryptex, and I saw little puzzles, and that was great. Right, from the movie. The book also has the cryptex, but you don't know what it looks like? Because it's a book. You know what movie I like about uh, people running around solving puzzles? <laughs> I think I do. National Treasure. National Treasure. It's American. There it is. That one is as historically accurate as the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> okay. Ted returns to therapy. Why does he return to therapy, Tom? I don't know. Therapy's stupid. 
Nope. Why does he return to therapy, Tom? I want it to be known I'm joking. I don't think therapy's stupid. Uh, but he goes to therapy. You can't explain jokes on the I podcast. I because that's a stupid jerk thing to say that therapy's bad. Because okay. therapy helps people. Therapy does help um, people. That's but, why we do this podcast. We yeah, can't is, afford therapy. Our therapy is you pour another glass of whiskey. Hey! Hey! <laughs> hey! Your therapist said not to judge me. Okay? I know, because I emailed her. I asked her to say something about it. All right, go ahead. Uh, he's Ted is uh, he doesn't quit stuff. He doesn't quit things except uh, marriage. <laughs> Damn you! You beat me to it. Oh, good for you, my friend. All right. Did Ted get a haircut? Uh, did you notice this during the scene? It's funny. I did not notice this, but I saw it in her outline, and then I rewatched this scene. I'm like, yeah, he probably did. Or they probably like his head is much narrower. <laughs> I think what they did is they probably just shot out a sequence, right? So he had a haircut that was fresh. It was like noticeably different to me. I was like, yeah. wait, what happened to his head? Oh, it got narrower. Puffy. Sometimes he has like, and I kind of have that if like my hair gets kind of long sure. with my little side part, it gets a little puffy up top. So I think he just had more puff in okay. the first sequence. Yeah, more puff. That was my nickname in high school. No, yours was HR puffing stuff. HR puffing stuff. Ted gets mean and aggressive here. Hmm. He gets weirdly mean and aggressive. And I was trying to think of all the times that we've seen Ted get mad and why he's gotten mad. Mm -hmm. And so I started to list them, and I hope you'll help me out. But he gets mad at Jamie for being selfish when <laughs> Jamie won't put his hand in with the team. Like, you can see him start to get aggressive, and I think it's, like, right before Henry comes in yep. and diffuses the situation. Yep. But you can see, like, something starting to snap with Ted. You see Ted get angry when Jamie says he's injured and can't practice. And mm -hmm. He goes into the practice rant. Um, he gets mad at Rebecca when she trades Jamie away. Mm -hmm. He gets a little bit mad. You see it under the surface when Rupert says something to Rebecca while they're playing darts. Yeah. He makes some mm -hmm. like lewd comment towards her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, be kinder while I'm holding darts. Did you feel like him getting mad at Dr. Sharon was like along the lines of when we see Ted getting mad. Like, did this, were you surprised by this? I guess. Yeah, I was. I, and I kind of wrecked my brain as well. Like, what, where else have we seen Ted like this? And, and we haven't. And it, when Ted has gotten mad in other sequences or circumstances, there seems to be a reason for it. Ted's reason in this, to me, he comes to this therapy session with an agenda. His agenda is to crap all over Dr. Sharon and her profession. Like, he was never going in back he was into work, He's worked up prior to. Yes. And the hill he decides to die on, because this is where they talk about the time slot. Or he's talking yes, about... the 50 minutes right. versus an hour, how you charge and bill. And stuff. Right. So I, I think Ted came in here wanting to tell her off. Um, and it was, again, very uncharacteristic of, of Ted and everything we've learned and his optimistic attitude and all that stuff. And I, again, I just don't, I get his, his pessimism maybe towards therapy and therapists in general from what we saw in the first season and, and his marriage and, and everything we discussed in the first se er, season. Um, but none of this is warranted for Dr. Sharon. Like they've had a good relationship up to then. Like it was right. a little rocky to start. Right. They've had a good relationship. Why Ted would ever jump off the 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 rails and scream scream and slam her door right. is completely out of his character regardless of other stuff that he's going through i did not like the sequence right and one of his things is, is like hey you're only here listening to me or like pretending to care about me 
because you get paid. Like mm-hmm. that's his other thing. It yeah. starts with the time, and then it's I think this is garbage because you're only here because you get paid. The other thought I had was like, I got it from a show standpoint. He's going to go and see her. But like, you can audition therapists. Like, (laughs) you can go talk to one and like, the person's not actually listening to you and you feel like you're just wasting their time. Mm -hmm. Go to a different one. Like, find one that you click with that like makes sense. And this, like, I don't know. Part of me was like... I got it. You don't quit, but like running in there and yelling at her and then like leaving and not going like you recognize you need help. Then go somewhere else. Like yeah. go talk to someone else. Might have preferred you quit in this situation. Right. Like at least quit with Dr. Sharon if you're not getting. But I think the problem is like Ted is he's struggling to ask for help and he's doing it, but he's doing it in a very challenging way i guess and and dr sharon even mentions that i think in the next session and the other thing is we don't see this like happening with ted in other scenes yeah like he's on the training pitch he's making jokes and i understand like we can compartmentalize like mm-hmm. i think some of us do it really well others don't that's fine but like he is not like like, I feel like in some episodes, you can kind of see the progression of Ted getting more stress, more stress, and then he hits a mm-hmm. breaking point. This one is like, he yells at the therapist, and then he's somewhere else having a normal conversation with someone. Yeah. And I just don't, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel like it made much sense. Well, and it's how we got here to, to this point in the last episode, where Ted had his panic attack. We talked about in the last episode, right. the last pod, but we didn't really feel that was earned. It was just very quick and sudden. And I think a lot of his All of a sudden he's looking at his hands during the game and you're like, wait, why? What? Exactly. Anyway, so then we're in the hallway. Nate continues to read his headlines on Twitter, Tom. He's looking at Twitter. Uh, Actually, no, he wasn't on Twitter for this one. Oh, (laughs) he was on a website, I think. How many? Oh, how many? How many of the things are there? I don't know. There's like three, I think. Man, isn't Meta the only one that matters now? Yeah, I think he might have been on OnlyFans. Um, They're real big with football commentary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But one of the headlines on the little articles was, uh, is he ready to manage his own team? And I think actually even later, that he's listening to a podcast or something where they mention, oh, this guy's ready to start his own club. So I like to give us a little kudos because we kind of mentioned that in the last episode about, is this where they're kind of going with his arc here? going and and trying to coach other teams this is what you see in american football the assistant coach that is with like the hot head coach Mm -hmm. and i don't mean hot as in like physically attractive (laughs) although a lot of times that is true your manginis your rex ryan's belichick's your belichick's clearly (laughs) man those sweatshirts but uh and yeah in this situation he's yeah the assistant coach and they get picked up in american football so we did uh, predict that good for us Sam and Rebecca bump into each other. Yes. And this Mary, is a completely... Sam and Diane. <laughs> Incredible. So this is a completely normal exchange, right? Two people that would normally have this exchange in an office hallway. Everything they say is normal to each other, correct? Sure. Oh, man. So it's, it's I don't know, it's meet cutish from like the romantic kind of things where they're both staring at the app, hoping the other is going to text them in that app when they, they talk. But I do love Sam's line where he talks about like, oh, all this technology, yet it pushes us further away or right. whatever, which is 
just to the T what exactly their right. situation they're dealing with. Right. I hope they end up together, married with babies and all those things. But I just <clears throat> felt like this was a awkward exchange. Can I say though, like Samuel Basanya, gorgeous smile. That guy's got a smile that can light up a room. Oh yeah, no, he's great, dude. When he's just like sitting there talking to Rebecca, and he's just and he's to me he has like some of that lasso ness where he's just always happy and like energetic. We had that one episode where he was dealing with his father disowning him, right? Uh, which was rough. Uh, but man, I well, noticed. they revisited that. <laughs> oh yes, yes, they sure. revisited that. They revisited Dubai Air, of course, all those things. Uh, but his smile is infectious. I love it. Listen, if I could have <clears throat> Danny Rojas and Sam as a friend. I don't feel like I would hate on episodes like this because they would remind me that I'm a wounded butterfly. And we'll get uh, to wounded butterfly. Okay, wonderful. Nate is in his office. Nate uh, ignores Will. Poor Will. Yeah. Poor, poor Will. Yeah, man. What did Will ever do? I don't his, know. He got pens, man. They were red pens. That's... How is he going to make all his corrections? Exactly. Uh, Colin walks in. Colin, very like, hey man, did I do something to upset you? Right. Like, what we should all do in that situation? Hey, it felt weird. Like, did I do something? Yeah. If I did, like, I'm here to apologize or talk it out. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then Nate just goes into this whole thing about how Rojas and Jamie are good players. So they're Picassos. They're Picassos, but Colin is garbage so he's not allowed you know yeah the... he's, he's hotel art man hotel art yeah i don't know like this sequence some of the me... favorite art i've ever stolen from buildings is hotel <laughs> art i'll just say that <laughs> can you give us an example yeah uh <laughs> this on my wall in front of you i oh, stole really? from <laughs> the marines <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that didn't make much sense. Some sort of museum? I don't know. Anyways. Um, no, but I, I mean, throughout this episode, they've been, and I think throughout this season, they've been kind of making Nate a little bit, like, unlikable. And I feel like this scene right here is like a turning point for me as an audience member, where Nate is like a villain here. Like, he is purposely, and, and Beard sees it and calls him out on it here a little bit later, but he is, like, purposefully being mean to him for, for seemingly no reason. Uh, it's it's just super, super harsh. Do you feel like, okay, so we have the points where Nate is like a little bit upset at Will for not doing his job. Mm -hmm. And I would argue at those times, sometimes Nate is right. Maybe his delivery's wrong, but like he's trying to, he like corrects Will on certain things. Yeah. Or like Will wants a day off for his mom's birthday or whatever. And, okay, so he's a little bit harsh there, but do you really feel like there was like, other than those parts, I don't remember other times where Nate was doing something where I was like, oh, Nate is the villain. Because the restaurant no, one... I agree. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I, I'm I, just saying that like, I think they've been trying to make... like Nate's character in season one and his arc, I thought, was just great. And giving him the confidence and all sure. that kind of piece. I think what they've done this season is they've just kind of created these like rough edges around him that we didn't see in season one. That it's like outside of his character... And I get you don't want a character to become stale and like the same thing. But this season to me is struggling with a villain. They don't have a Rupert right. like they did last season. Like they need somebody to be like a foil to all whoa, the characters. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not all assume we all thought Rupert was a villain. Because some of us really miss Rupert. <laughs> miss Rupert? Yeah. All right. Bex was just the worst in season yes, one. Yes, she was. Yes. Doesn't she own half the team now? Probably. 
I broke I broke into your I I guess yeah, yeah I got me I got my point across. I think th- th- this season's struggling with a villain and they they need somebody to kind of be that heel and I think they've laid the groundwork a little bit with just Nate being more just rude to people. Right. And this is just him going over the end now that he has some sort of like semblance of fame if you want to call it that. It's funny if you like look at what Nate does it's not all that terrible. Like, it's certainly not Rupert. As your point, it's not Rupert level terrible. Yeah. He's just, like, kind of a jerk to people. But in the world of Lasso, where you want everyone to be, like, nice, yeah. you're like, oh, that guy's a jerk. Like, as I think about it now, Nate's not doing, like, anything that we probably haven't all done at some, like, moment of anger or, like, I have a temper. Like, I'm sure I've said terrible things no not to you but i could call people in here from the other parts of the house who would probably disagree um studio other parts of the studio other parts of the studio so at podcast village here um and but yeah in the world of lasso where you want everyone to i just feel like but yeah i I think that's a fair point what he's doing is not to, to rupert's level but it's I mean, there's ways to go about it, and Beard calls him out. Like you were being mean for the sake of being mean. Oh, and I'm not. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. What they're doing. What I am saying is just as I think about. Like I don't like Nate right now. Mm-hmm. What has Nate really done? Well, he was kind of mean to Colin. <laughs> been mean, mean to Will. Like he's he's been mean. That's fair. like has he murdered anyone? Not that we know <laughs> of. Hey, Higgins will figure it out. There you go. Maybe he paid Danny Rojas to kick the ball at that dog. Listen, his defense is death. <laughs> that was the signal um so beard watches and says nothing beard's reading a book as always he's mm-hmm. in the other office he watches this exchange between colin and nate does not uh say anything then this takes us to uh the boot room and this is probably where i laughed the most during this episode good, yeah and it's this is one of those shows where it's almost like hey how do we get all the funny people in the room? Or like, how do we get them to interact? Because it's so like segmented. It's tough to do. You can have them all on the training pitch. You can have them in Rebecca's office. Mm -hmm. This was fun because Keely is secretly smoking in the boot room. I just love the content of people coming in one by one. Like once the door opens, like, oh, who's who's next? Right. Hey, what's going on in here? (laughs) Oh, we gathering? Oh. Uh, So she is talking to Keely smoking. I think Ted comes in first. Yeah. Then Rebecca comes in. Keely has lied to Ted about smoking. And Did Re- Ted not understand that she was actually smoking? Did she really Listen, think it was like the, the air way Ted reacts to things? I just assume Ted has never experienced anything in his life because <laughs> he's everything is new to Ted. He's like never understood that like what girl talk is. Anyway, I pointed it out in other <laughs> yeah. episodes where Ted's just blown away by these everyday things we learn. But uh, Ted does not realize Keely is lying to him. But Rebecca comes in and she's like, oh, this is the room where we've decided that smoking doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's a great line. Which is great. And I'm pretty sure uh, the medical community agrees with that. Is you're allowed to smoke in certain rooms. It doesn't count there. Yep. Kit, kit rooms. Kit rooms. Or boot, boot rooms? Was it the boot room? They call it the boot room. Okay. They're using the boots as ashtrays, which is very funny. Because Will, at the end, dumps out a boot and yep. it's just filled with ash. In the boot box. In the boot box. <clears throat> nice. <laughs> Rebecca, I guess, is like complaining to them about Roy. And Rebecca says something that I thought was very interesting. And I think we all do this. Mm-hmm. And the quote mm-hmm. is, 
stop auditioning your complaints and tell the person who can actually do something about it. So what she is saying is stop like complaining to us. Stop like essentially looking for validation of your complaints. Yeah. But go talk to Roy. Like Mm -hmm. if he's the one that can fix this, if he's the one you have the issue with, go talk to that person. I think we all do this. Now, I think it's healthy to have like a sounding board. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, do you think if I go told my wife this, that she would get (laughs) mad? And your response is, yes, Yes, don't say that out loud. But then I go do it anyway, (laughs) because I'm not very good at this husband thing. Uh, But there is a point where like, it's like, hey, just go talk to him. Yeah, like, go. That's go what ahead. Colin did. Colin had an, a weird. Oh yeah, thing yeah. With Nate, Great point. And Colin went and talked to him. And yep. Boom. Solved. Kinda. <laughs> it's kinda. <laughs> Ted brings up, and this is where you made a great point about, hey, Ted's like therapy stuff is happening on the pitch, where yeah. he's like, hey, pretend it doesn't bother you. Mm-hmm. You know, act like it doesn't bother you. Suffer in silence. That's yep. probably his house words too. <laughs> yeah. The lasso house uh, rules are the same as my house rules. We <laughs> suffer silently. Ted's like, hey, I think there's some good in bottling things up. Yeah. Like, you don't have to tell someone everything all the time. Yeah, bottle can, it up. You can bottle pickles, <laughs> vodka, extra virgin olive oil, and messages. Which messages. messages took people a little bit to get. I got it right away. But they, they were like, oh, message in a bottle. Which is the famous song by who, Julian? Message in a bottle. I'm going to get this. Message in a bottle is Christina Aguilera. No. I mean, she did a song, Genie in a Bottle. But Message in a Bottle is a famous British singer. Christina from, Aguilera. From the police. Christina Aguilera. No. So stung. It's Sting. He hasn't, he hasn't retired yet. Yes, it's stung yet. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of this is uh, that Higgins is smoking a pipe. <laughs> yeah. I, wait, I don't even know that he's smoking it. We never see him light up. We never see any. He just has the pipe in his mouth. So are Which, we? Are we to understand? Please ask this question because this is my thought too. Okay. Are we to understand that? Maybe uh, Rebecca and Higgins were up in her office, and Rebecca's like, "Hey, where's Keely?" And, and Higgins doesn't know, and Higgins like, "Keely." Or Rebecca's like, "Oh, she must be in the boot room, so let's go smoke." So then, like, oh, Higgins like, "Oh, cool, I'll go get my pipe, and we'll go into the boot room and smoke with, with her." So, what did you think? What I'm realizing now is that this is a like a really a common occurrence, <laughs> so much that Higgins has a pipe on him at all times. All times. Just so they end up in when they end up in the boot room. And this is solidified by the amount of cigarette butts that Will dumps out of the boot when mm-hmm. he turns it over. I did not think about it during the episode, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, this happens a lot for him to have his pipe for them to have all those cigarette butts. It's a very classy thing. If, yeah. if anybody in this uh, episode or, or cast is going to carry a pipe, it's Higgins. It's Higgins. <laughs> then Jamie appears. <laughs> Jamie appears. And his line, I don't know if you caught it, was like, hey, can you take my name off this jersey and make it bigger? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so great. Yeah. Everything Jamie does, I find funny now. He I, used I, to be an ass, but now he's just funny. Well, but I like the way, like, peppering Jamie in and his comedy that he delivers into the show is so great in these small little bits. Yeah. Like, if he has to carry kind of too much, I think you you don't like him as much. But I, again, love his accent that he just delivers these lines so great. He calls Roy a name. He calls him old something. I don't remember what it was. But then when Roy comes in and Roy's like, Are you all talking to me about it again? Jamie goes, yeah, definitely. He's yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. 
So Keely and Roy, they're, they depart from the smoking room. They're back at their house, and Sex in the City is playing in the background. Tom, have you ever watched one episode of Sex in the City? I am proud to admit I have not seen any Sex in the City. Yeah, no, I have not seen much of Sex in the City. But they do a very interesting thing here where they are cutting in the scene of Sex in the City. I have with... a question. Yeah, so do ahead. you think uh, it's Phoebe Walsh, right, is the writer? Yes. Do you think she was like, she knew this? I mean, obviously they probably write in committee a little bit, but did she have this scene like ready to go from Sex in the City? I always feel it's interesting when they sample shows like this because do they have to send somebody out and say, hey, I remember this one scene in Sex in the City at one point. Hey, intern, go watch every episode of Sex in the City and get me this one scene and section that comes from it. Yeah, you got to wonder if she was rewatching Sex in the City. Like she remembered that scene of, I don't know what the guy's name with, uh, I don't know what the girl's name is. She's the boss the main... and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. It's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. I know that much. Sarah McLaughlin. But it is a lot of Sarah. It's like three names and Jessica a Sarah. Parker. Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. We got there. And then all you have to do is be like, oh, it was this uh, like boyfriend of hers in the show. Mm -hmm. So you could probably like she's Doing like, oh, sections. Was, yeah. And so you could probably narrow it down that <laughs> way. But it's a good point. Like, was she rewatching it? And she saw the scene and she's like in the middle of writing Ted Lasso. And she's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take that and add mm -hmm. that in. Or was it she's writing it? Yeah, I don't know how that comes to be. That would be an interesting I do, question. I do appreciate two men that have never seen this show trying to dissect the show and say when certain, like when she has a certain boyfriend. Is your assumption she's had multiple boyfriends throughout the show? Well, I know enough about the show to know that she, like, there was a, uh, oh, is she going to go with so and so, or is she going to go with so and so? I, I, have, I, I, I have to ask the question: Is this the same with Diane situation? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you, probably. I don't know. I stumped you. I think I broke you. I don't know. Something glitched in my brain. Um, I look forward to all the Lister mail we'll get on this one. I'm sure it's a fine show. I'm not. I'm not the demographic. This is okay. So she's watching her show. Roy sits down to read, just to be in the same room with her. And this is a debate I would like to have in terms of when you are defining an activity you are doing with your spouse, not that activity, but like certain activities, like what constitutes doing an activity together? If one person is watching TV and one person is reading, but you are in the same room, is that quality time spent together? No. Okay. If you are in the same room watching the same TV program, is that quality time spent together? Yes, because it's a shared experience. Okay. If you were in the same room watching the same thing, but you were both on your phones, is that quality time spent together? No, it's not a shared experience anymore. Okay. If you were in the same room, <laughs> this is fun. the same show is on, one of you is on your phone, and the other one is whittling, is that a shared experience together? Whittling? Yeah, you like, have a stick with a pocket knife and you're forming, I don't know, a spear. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a shared experience either. Okay. All right. Well, that fixed all that. Where, so, where are we getting with this? I feel like you have no, an end going. What I'm getting at is I find that some people think just being in the same room together is spending time together. Yeah. Where I'm kind of with you 
Whereas if you're doing the same activity together and mm -hmm. in the same room, that is quality time spent together. Yeah. But like if you're watching a show and the other person's on your phone, I don't think that is quality no, time. It is. And I feel like Roy's kind of being a jerk in this scene, like reading his oh! book aloud. Oh, yeah, yeah. The lab. If, if he was just going to sit there, I'm with you. Yeah. Just go ahead. Yeah. If he's just going to sit there and read his book in front of her, like he doesn't sit on the couch with her. Like, I don't know, I guess giving her her space. I don't know. So it's kind of in front of her. Sure. Um, like, that's fine. But he's like, like reading a book. He's like, oh, man, he just didn't do that. Like, right. it's like watching a movie and like somebody in the theater, like screaming or whatever. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he was being great in this sequence. No, I agree with you. I thought he was just going to sit there and read, but she already looked annoyed when he sat when he sat down right there. Mm. I feel like she gave him a look like you're not going to read elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, 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 you're in the same room. You're both reading books. They're different books. Is that a shared experience? No, it's okay. not a shared experience. Okay. Okay. I mean, you're, yeah, no. Okay, last question. Yeah. <laughs> you are in the same room. You're going to get You're me. both reading books, different books, but you're also making love. <laughs> Is that a shared experience? Shared experience. Okay. Good. That's good. <laughs> All right. So um, we've established you can read different books in the same room and have a shared experience. Yes. Yes. It's a long way to get there, but we got there. Uh, we got there. All right. <laughs> The scene that's going on with Sex in the City is paralleling what is happening there because he keeps talking and Sarah McLaughlin keeps <laughs> shouting, shut up. Yes. And you can tell that is what Keeley wants to yell at Roy. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we get to the point where Keeley has a perfectly normal adult reaction where she calmly tells Roy, hey, Roy, I'm watching the show. You keep talking, it's kind of ruining me watching my show. Mm -hmm. And Roy going, you're right, I'm going to go into the other room and read. <laughs> right? That's what happens. Um, It's what should have happened. Okay, it's you remember it differently. <laughs> I remembered it differently. Okay. I remember uh, Keely jumping up on the couch and screaming shouting at, Roy, at Roy. Shouting at Roy. She starts it off, she comes off hot. Um, and there's great acting here. Like, she's shouting hard. Like, you get a little, like... Uh, vein in her forehead kind of pops out like she's really going for it and yeah kind of calls roy out and then of course roy then he freaks out saying oh this is the stuff you've been talking about behind my back i thought it was just you know the other generic banter things that i'm okay with like for him to go off the rails on that like i don't know i i, I get him maybe being upset with how she's presenting it but roy roy's scream at her and running out of the room is never a a great solution so I thought this was an example of, and I think we all do this when we're in relationships, is like sometimes you ignore something and you like ignore something and you put it off because you don't want the confrontation. And then like over time, like the resentment just kind yeah, of builds and builds and builds. And then it gets to a point where like you either have to say something or you like throw a temper tantrum. Um, the other thing this reminded me of is like, and I'm not a, uh, you know, this, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a marriage expert, not a javelina, not a marriage expert. Um, but like people can't read your mind. No. And so like, what's unfortunate is you kind of expect your spouse to like read your mind and they don't have that superpower in the same way you can't read their mind. 
they don't have that superpower. Yeah, we can't all be married to Chris Angel. He's a mind freak, man. Or he's a mind freak. Or David Blaine. No, David Blaine's a he's like a close up magician. He's not a mind freak. All right. Well, you didn't read my mind on that joke. So, <laughs> uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is she's like, "Oh, you're always like in my space. You're always talking to me. You're always turning me on." And he's like, "Oh, you don't want me to turn you on?" She's like, "Yeah, sometimes." And I thought to myself, "Tom, you must experience the same issue because you are constantly turning people on. Like you can't help it. Have you ever had someone scream at you, "Tom, stop turning me on"? Other than me. Go ahead. I give you the floor." <laughs> Um, I give you the floor. Take as much time as you like. <laughs> I spilled bourbon on the desk. Go ahead. I thought you just did a line of coke. <laughs> no, this is a family podcast. It's bourbon. Oh, um, you know Responsible. what? Responsible. I've uh, I can't say I have experienced this as often as one might think from you know listening to my amazing voice, Sultry voice, seeing me on the couple episodes of season one that we had published on YouTube. Go check it out. TeamBidge.com or other things. <laughs> no, that's not how it uh, works. It's fine. People figure it out. People are smart. Um, no, not not as much of an issue as you think, but I appreciate you saying that. Some people say I am the wonder kid of my generation. <laughs> you are the wonder kid of your generation. That is for sure. We find ourselves in Nate's office. Beard comes in. No, Beard's there. Nate arrives. Yeah. Beard is there. And this is some great just like framing some mm -hmm. physical comedy some fun stuff beard says what does beard says say to nate what does he says to nate <laughs> he says to nate you were rude to colin not just rude it was personal and weird it was personal and weird <laughs> yep which is a fair assessment <gasps> which is a fair assessment so beard finally says something nate immediately is apologetic i think it's a little strange nate's like oh did you tell ted that's a weird thing to like yeah i don't know so He's like, do better. The door's behind you. <laughs> Nate exits, and Nate's like, wait, this is my office. He comes back. Poof. Beard is gone. Now, I've always said this. Beard is a bit of an enigma. Is Beard Batman? Beard is not Batman, but Beard is a magician. Be I think he could be Batman. He might be Batman. There's no way of knowing. Well, he didn't use smoke. Um, he doesn't always use smoke. He could be the Riddler. Maybe he's the Riddler in the next Riddler Batman movie. The Riddler was a chess guy, wasn't he? Sure. Okay. He banged sure. bishops. Whoa. What? Was what? what was the bumping bishops? Sorry. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> oh <laughs> the Da Vinci Code now banging bishops. The Catholic Church is going to cancel us immediately. Thanks a lot, Thomas. All right. <laughs> Roy and Keeley, they show up separately. <laughs> and Keeley says hi to Roy. Roy grunts. And this reminded me, I know you don't watch him, despite the fact that I've told you to watch his stand-up so many times, and it really bothers me that you haven't. But if anyone gets the chance on Netflix, I'm sure he's on YouTube as well, there's a comedian by the name of Nate Bergazzi. Mm -hmm. I'll spell it for you. B-E-R-G-A-T-Z-E. -E. He is very funny. He tells a story, or well, he tells a joke about when you are mad at your spouse... And you're kind of giving them like the silent treatment or you're both giving each other the silent treatment. <laughs> and his point is like, none of us are so rich. We live in mansions. <laughs> so you have to pass that person and you pass them in like the single hallway in your house. And you do that like weird, like Shoulder. I'm pretending not to see you or talk to you. <laughs> or like he does a bit where uh, like they're watching TV and you come into the room and you're like, 
Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. Were you watching this? I was just going to change the channel. <laughs> Anyways, here's the whole bit about, like, the silent treatment and ignoring your spouse during an argument, and it's very funny. Oh, I haven't done it justice, but watch <laughs> it. Yeah, Roy, did, did Roy even respond? I don't he even, just, did he grunt? Yeah, I, like, I think it's what he does. He kind of grunts and just kind of like gives, like, a little head nod. Like, he's a big jerk in this sequence. Yeah, he is. And Keely, very funny, where she's like, I I had uh, porridge for breakfast or whatever she says. It was a little too thick or yeah. I don't know. It was great. Then we're at Ted and Dr. Sharon again. And Sharon explains to him, she makes an argument. She makes a case for her. She's like, hey, you care about your players, right? Mm-hmm. You get paid to coach. Does that mean you care about them any less in the same way I get paid to do this? I care about my patients. Yep. I felt like she made a good point. Ted apologizes. Uh, and she points out that, hey, self-care can be scary. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this to me is to like, we, we talked last up pod about when when Ted was in a rough spot, setting up this, therapy, uh, this appointment with Dr. Sharon is making sure they don't go like too comedic with it. Like I wanted to make sure that they had a serious conversation. And I thought this was helpful um, of, of Sharon addressing this and not having another Sharon session where Sharon, Dr. Sharon is just kind of listening to him vent or whatever else he's going to do. Like she points out Ted being a jerk and calls him out on it. Ted agrees. And then she lets him know like self-care is challenging and it's hard for people to ask for it and take that first step. And the fact that Ted did, I think Dr. Sharon sees that. The fact that Ted keeps coming back. And Sharon even mentions it. Um, I keep calling her Sharon. It's uh, What's her first name? Dr. Sharon. <laughs> she has a first name. I think we know it. Dr. Sharon. <laughs> Doctor, sorry. Doc. Um, when, when Ted comes in, like, oh, he's like, oh, I, I thought you'd be back. And Ted's like, well, why do you think I'd be back? And it's because, oh, it's because you said you'd never quit. And I think Dr. Sharon realizes that Ted is asking for help. And he's asking for help in... Probably not the best way, um, but but he is. And Sharon knows that that's the first step to, to therapy and, and, and making yourself better. Right. I just looked it up. Her name is Dr. Sharon Sharonson. <laughs> I don't think that's right. That is right. I looked it up. These are fear-based responses from Ted. This is why he's reacting this way. He's scared. He's scared. And then Sharon, Sharon, Dr. Sharon gives a thing. It's like... Dr. Sharon Sharonson. <laughs> Dr. Sharon Sharonson. Uh, this, you know, can't be your mentor unless I be your tormentor a little bit first. Or, I thought she was going to say, or be your dementor. Right. I thought it was going to be a Harry Potter reference. He's, she says the truth, I think this is where she mentions, hey, the truth will set you free, but it'll also piss you off first. And yeah. Ted's like, oh, sure, your nickname should be the truth. Which would be a dope nickname if Isn't you were that, called uh, the truth. I feel like that is somebody. Isn't that like Alan Iverson? Wasn't he known as the truth? Or wasn't like a basketball player known as the truth? Practice? We're talking guy? about Practice? Somebody was. I don't we'll think look so. It um, Nate apologized to Colin in front of the team. The team forgives him. They're all very kind. I, what I thought was funny here is, like, clearly Colin, after that exchange with Nate, of Nate being a jerk, he went back to the, his teammates and were like, I just talked to Coach Nate, and yeah. this is what he did. And, like, you can tell if Nate hadn't have done something, the team might have turned a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So good on Nate for, I guess, recognizing that he needs to apologize. Although the only reason he did it is because Beard called him out. So yeah, he wasn't going to. Right. Roja. Oh, and this is where Roja says, we calls get him a wounded butterfly. Yeah, we get, we get some different names. Like I think he calls him Frick. 
Um, oh, they're jerk, like you acted like a jerk, yeah, a prick, butthole, and it's like a wounded yeah. butterfly. Uh, wounded butterfly has some. I won't go into it, but it the way like Nate reacts to it, and I think the way Danny says it, it has some sexual connotations. Like, if you want to know more about that, check it out in Urban Dictionary. But uh, ooh, I never recommend anyone yeah, go to Urban Dictionary. I, I, I chuckled when I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, but it's not not necessarily the most appropriate thing. And I'm not sure. I'm assuming the show knew what it meant or that it had other context oh i thought well knowing danny rojas i assumed he meant he acted like a wounded butterfly you think danny rojas is a urban dictionary i don't think he necessarily is based on what it potentially means it has some correlation wink from the show yeah i think it has some correlation with fanny from a previous episode and the other like words that were said are in the same vein of of this okay i don't know this is this is not probably great podcasting no no no. this is fun this is how we get the old mature rating from (laughs) apple so thank you for that we will all be wounded butterflies (laughs) ten says something about beef chunks with me or he's like beef chunks with me i'm beef chunks look that up on urban (laughs) dictionary my friend and peas and carrots with Roy. And it's very funny because, once again, this is a moment where Beard is the only one that knows what Ted's talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it is just one of those callbacks of how close these guys are. And so he's got to be like, all right, you know. Uh, first team first with team him. With, yeah, second team with uh, Ted. I think Ted is trying to bring it in with his like previous line because he's talking about, like, oh, beef stew. He go, it's, it's like leaving that stew overnight after watching Citizen Kane after having too many beers. Right. So he kind of already has, like, stew on the mind. So he's I feel got, like beef chunks, carrots, peas. He's got stew, stew on the brain, yep. just like phallus. <laughs> yes. Just like phallus. <laughs> whistle. I said whistle. <laughs> this is a great Roy coaching right here. <laughs> Roy, rather than carrying a whistle, says whistle. I said whistle. I loved it so much. I almost wish they didn't like have a joke with it. I almost wish sure. he just said whistle and then they had the exchange. It was great. But yeah, because the joke is he's got some yeah, issue. His lips are sensitive to impure metals and it gives his mouth hives. Buy a pure silver whistle, uh, Roy. You got the money. You're rolling around in that Land Rover, We're Range Rover, whatever it is. I'm not sure Roy could be a werewolf. Oh, this could be pointing us to Roy being a werewolf. All right. All right. Jamie and Roy get in a disagreement. And this is Roy yelling at Jamie because he does something during the play. I think it's with Bumbercatch. So Bumbercatch has got to do something or like Bumbercatch gets the pass and Jamie departs the area. And he's like, I'm pulling my defender away. Mm -hmm. And Roy's like, no, you got to support your teammate and be right there with him, (laughs) which seems like fundamentally. I'm not a soccer guy. I watched one game with you the other night where we lost. And that was probably the most soccer I've ever watched. I gotta say, I enjoyed it. It was great. It was nice having your commentary there. You did a great job. But uh, I felt like I understood Jamie's point much better than Roy's. Well, I mean, in the play, in the sequence they set up, like, if Jamie would have stood there, the, I think it might have been Collins, or I don't know, Collins Bumpercatch, who had the shot. They, they like messed up the shot or whatever, but if he didn't clear the space, he wouldn't have even had that opportunity. So Jamie is 100% in the right. Right. I don't know who it was, but I do know it wasn't O'Brien or Zorro. That's what I know. Yes. So Jamie argues that he needs to get... Oh, it's Richard. (laughs) (laughs) We both wrong. (laughs) Jamie argues that he needs to give Richard space to pull his defender away. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, then Jean Moss gets in there. Jean Moss. Yeah, we get a member. There were several times during the episode I enjoyed Jean Moss. I'm Jan. not saying it's it right. Jan. Jan Moss's Jan Moss. commentary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Jamie says something about like, oh, we kind of learned that from Pep. So it's a reference again to Pep Guardiola, sure. the coach for Man City. Um, and then Jan Moss kind of corrects him. He's like, oh, no, you got that from Cruyff. Uh, and I, I'm probably butchering the announce- announcing of that name. Um, but Cruyff, like Johan Cruyff is a famous Dutch player. Okay. So that's like, um, you know, uh, Johan is the, the Dutch player for the team who's very, Jan Moss, you know, right. Jan, sorry, sorry, who, who's very, uh, like direct and stuff, like corrects, you know, Jamie's English accent right. pronunciation of it, which right. was pretty good, but, uh, it was a good, and, good and quick catch. He you. says something like, okay, Englishman yeah. or something <laughs> like that. And this is essentially Jamie's like, Hey, I've got to trust my teammate. I need mm-hmm. to give him space to make the play. and this is just how TV works. Not how the real world ever works. Yep. But all of a sudden, Roy is relating, giving space, and trusting your teammate to his relationship with Keeley, mm-hmm. which I felt like was a huge leap. Good for Brett Goldstein getting me there because his acting. You didn't get it from the sequence? Like, I thought they were like very clearly trying to relate this to Roy and... When they talk about giving him space, I'm like, oh, boom, boom, there's the chorus. Right, but I didn't feel like we see Roy angry in the parking lot, and then all of a sudden he's making the connection in practice. Like, they laid it on thick in practice. Like, I got it. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like Roy didn't realize. I mean, I don't know. It was, I don't know. He needed this. showism. Yeah. Yeah. He needed this to be able to realize. I think we could both agree. Just some amazing, just like head tilt acting here, (laughs) where he kind of like, He's looking down. He looks up. Then he looks at the side. He's like multiple realizations right. as he looks and then just screams the F word and runs off the scene. Essentially like, <laughs> oh, Keely needs space. Yeah. You're like, okay, wow. we needed a soccer player like to get to there. I do appreciate Jamie's reaction. It's like, I didn't even do anything wrong this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't say anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Nate gets a Wonder Kid jersey from the team. Uh, they're like, hey, this would have been weird had you not apologized to Colin, but we got it for you anyways. <laughs> yeah. We find out that it was Will's idea. And I, once again, I was like, kind of a nice gift. Kits are expensive. <laughs> like, this one's got a personal... I guess the thing that Nate is mad about is that he misspoke and said Wonder Kid instead of but that's ev- Kid. That's everything that Nate's been seeing online is like when he scrolls through his Twitters, um, it says hashtag Wonder Kid. Right. So like he's like if he hasn't embraced that yet, like he's manufacturing this because he wants to be, I think, feel powerful in these moments. I thought after this sequence was over, he was immediately gonna like scream at Will and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of surprised they waited till later in the episode to do it. Oh, you thought he was going to yell at him in front of the team? No, not necessarily in front of the team, but like after the team kind of broke, I thought he was going to pull Will aside and say, hey, this isn't funny or mm. whatever, and just kind of be a jerk. But they say I it didn't for the think, end. I don't know. I didn't, when I, when I, I was like, oh, that's cool. They got him a kit, like with this thing on it. I didn't, it was nice. It wasn't a jerk move. Right. It was a nice thing for, for Will to do as the kit man who clearly puts the names on all the backs of the jerseys. Um, he could have made it a little bit bigger. That would have been nicer. Jamie would have right. appreciated Jamie, it. Jamie but, Tart. Uh, <laughs> Ted is then in the pub, the anchor and British, I don't know what it's called. Anchor and crown. Uh, Trent Krim shows up. (laughs) Trent Krim wants to get a quote from Ted about why he left the match early. Ted's like, hey, I thought everyone knew I had food poisoning. 
this was a weird exchange, which makes me think we're telegraphing something for yeah. Trent, right? Something, I, I feel like whatever quote, and I don't think Ted said anything too crazy, but whatever quote Ted gave to Trent here is going to come back to haunt him in some form or fashion, is, is the way I took that. Well, the only thing Ted says to him is like, hey, I got food poisoning, I was sick, but now I'm like right as rain, or he says something about yeah. being fine, and Trent's like, okay, like writes it down and leaves, but... I mean, I mean, this was so out of place that you're like, okay, they're telegraphing something here. Yeah. And so... Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll go back and, and see this scene. I'm like, oh, that's why they did it. But like, I, I, in one instance, I'm kind of like, maybe they just wanted to get Trent Krim, like the actor, back on scene because he's going to come back later they in the They should series. give him all the scenes. They should. I was listening to Trent Krim talk, and I'm like, he would have made a great Loki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I see it. But... uh yeah, I think they they they're they're trying to remind us that Trent Krim is still a a presence in the show, and even if this sequence and the quote and all that stuff doesn't come back, I think Trent Krim is going to come back in, in some form or fashion in these last couple episodes. But Trent Krim and Ted at this point, I know there's like journalistic integrity and his responsibility to tell the story, but they're boys at this point, so no, no. like he's independent, Julian. He's Trent Krem of the Independent because he is independent. He's okay. An independent thinker. So that's fine. He can be an independent thinker. But like I felt like this set this set it up for like Trent is gonna like a gotcha moment. Uh <laughs> gotcha journalism. Gotcha journalism, like Joan from uh <laughs> Parks and Rec, whatever her name gotcha. is. Gotcha. Um not the gotcha girls. Anyways, <laughs> I felt like that's what he was kind of doing but trent and ted are boys like i feel like trent would have given him more of a heads up if it was going to be headline ted left game because he had mental breakdown because his son left lunch at uh his field trip subtitle a michael scott story like i don't like like he's gonna, the give Ted, he's gonna give Ted a heads up, right? He's not just gonna like. I think we established in the first season that there Ted was... needs therapy. <laughs> Great, Trent, you're a jerk. Like, <laughs> I think we established in the first season that Trent is not that kind of writer. And if he were to do, if that really is what the story's gonna say, and Trent's gonna do some kind of gotcha journalism in the last couple episodes of the season, I feel like that's unwarranted. Like, there was gotcha journalism that was done in the first season, but it was not trent's it was the like other characters right paparazzi and everything else right i don't know it just felt weird i hope i hope it doesn't become me hating trent i think it was out of place i think it was just they could have cut the scene they did not need this scene for anything i think this was just them reminding us trent crim as a character oh i feel like it's gonna next episode this is gonna come up you, you don't feel so? like this is gonna come up in the next episode i i, I mean i can go both ways but i i hear your point like my, <laughs> my initial thought <laughs> Uh, my initial thought was his quote is going to come back to haunt him. That was my thought. But now that we kind of talk through it, I almost think it's just Trent Krim going to be more prominent in future episodes. So they wanted to let you know he's he's still alive. So with that knowledge, the thing that scares me the most, the thing that keeps you up at night, keeps me up at night. Thank you. <laughs> is the fact that Keely is running around in these clad pants pajamas i'll pronounce that again these cloud pants pajamas she comes into her place and she is in like she went to work in pj pants 
that are clearly a blue sky with clouds. <laughs> You're just jealous you can't pull it off, man. It's not that at all. It's just, I'm so confused by Keely's wardrobe. She's such a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful actress. Once again, she's like the sixth Spice Girl that didn't make it on the team. And that's how she dresses. Listen, she has a different fashion sense than you. And one would argue... Most people... One would argue it's a lot better. <laughs> Tom, most people have a different fashion sense than me. We can't she all wear... She not shop at Goodwill. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Well, that is hurtful, but whatever. All right. So... <laughs> Keely finds she finds a packed bag at the front door which they don't even explain like you'd think someone would say something it was weird like they tried to set it up like yeah she's packing a bag because Roy's, Roy's, Roy's leaving right. like blah 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 but what I would argue what is like we find out Roy's leaving for three hours sure what what is he packing a bag for three hours for it's a body there's a body in that bag I don't think it was that big of a bag though. chopped up wow well, if you see how you can slice and dice a body. You can fit in a duffel bag. Okay. Ask Robert Durst. All right. Um, that's uh, made it too real. Made it too real. <laughs> I you should want Dexter. Dexter's fake. Uh, Dexter is fake. Robert Durst is not. But he is in prison, so that's something. Um, Roy makes a bath for her. <laughs> um, and what I felt was a bath that Roy's like, hey, here's a chore. You're going to have to clean up clean all these roast petals when you're done. <laughs> Blowing all these candles. I thought I thought Roy was going to tie her shoes again. That's what I thought. There was like a very, mm -hmm. you know, sensual moment where he's helping her undress. Um, it wouldn't have been right for the scene, though. I mean, the no. whole idea of this is to give her her space. Right. You let, need to take well, shoes off to get into a bath. We, we need to let her tie her own shoes. Sure. <laughs> In okay. the sequence. That's fair. That's fair. So many rose petals. <laughs> yeah. My... The funny part was uh, when he's like, I went into your neighbor's rose bushes <laughs> <Yeah>. and just <laughs> took them off. <laughs> and put them all in his that bath. That was so funny. It is very like movie trope-ish or, or, or TV show with all the rose petals. And it looks great. It looks great, but very impractical. I actually have done a romantic gesture where I got rose petals. I'm like, oh, for who? Wasn't for, for me. It was for my wife. Oh, um, that's fine. And I got like, oh, I'll get a dozen roses. I'll put the rose petals. I'll have it like, you know, walk her up to the front steps or something and then i got a dozen roses and i only got to like maybe five feet of roses <laughs> and i realized man you need a lot more roses to do this gesture <laughs> so i had to sprinkle them very far apart <laughs> to the point where you maybe thought like man he just dropped some roses or but it was it was a thought that counts <laughs> oh that's incredible <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Your wife is a lucky lady, and I'm sure she enjoyed that one pedal of step as she yep. moved through the house. Uh -huh. We discover that Keely has gross feet, Tom. Yeah. This was a funny bit. Mm -hmm. Just Roy recognizing that you're, he's like, your feet are a tragedy or something like well, that. Well, and that's what makes it so much nicer that he's been willing to tie her shoes. Tie her shoes yeah. as often mm -hmm. as he does. Good mm -hmm. for him. Here was my nitpick in this scene. Go on. Everything else I loved. The okay. candles not setting off the fire alarm. Nope. The amount of petals that it took. The neighbors getting there. What bothered me is that bath water is never at a temperature where you can just slide into it. Yeah, you got to constantly keep bathing some warm. No, 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 no. It's always too hot. So you've got to like ease your body into it because otherwise you lose flesh. Uh, you're drawing your baths wrong, my friend. I, well... 
I don't draw my own baths, but whoever is drawing my baths is doing it wrong. I would agree. <laughs> and actually, this whole podcast, the whole point is to get to this where I wanted to inform the person that has been drawing my baths, you've been doing it wrong. Okay. So we won't be doing any other episodes after this. <laughs> this is the whole reason. A season and a half later, I just want to tell the person who's drawing my bath. Uh, this the temperature's was it. been wrong. All right. Two, three, four. Boom, <laughs> boom, 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 skit, skit, scoop, skit, skit, scoop. I can't do it. All right. Uh, Nate reads a negative post about himself. We cut from the bath. I'm sorry. Nate is not in the bath. Keely and Roy. I want to make sure those of you that haven't seen the episode and are listening to us. Um, Mel. Um, Nate reads the negative post. And he walks in, and I thought it was interesting. They do this where it doesn't show the confrontation. It just shows Nate going into the room. You hear him say to Will, if you ever do anything like this again, Mm -hmm. I will ruin you. And then he leaves, and then Will comes and shuts the door, and you just feel bad for Will. Yeah, and this is where I I think I said it poorly in the beginning, but this is where I I appreciate... Tom, you've never said anything poorly. Thanks, pal. Small yeah. friends. Yeah. Thank you for believing in me. Um, I don't understand. But okay. <laughs> uh, I appreciate what they're trying to do with this and like Nate's struggle with dealing with social media. Because I do think there's a lot of people that that like I, I try to make it a point to really never look at comments. Like I have Twitter and I'll go on Twitter and look at stuff, but I'm never really seeing people's call and response stuff because you just go down rabbit holes and the internet is just unfortunately filled with a lot of hatred mm. and. What I don't like about what they've done with this sequence is Nate's been on his phone for like this entire episode and seemingly last episode as well. So it's been a handful of days. The idea that Nate hasn't seen any sort of negative comment about himself until this very moment is laughable. Mm. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And even mm. the the thing that goes that pushes him over. You think because more negative things should be said about Nate. You you are firmly in the camp of everyone should be saying negative things about Nate. I wish the internet was a more happy and joyous place, but mm. unfortunately it's just not what we have, especially okay. the dumpster fire that is Twitter. Sure. Um so and what Nate gets called, like the guy just like calls him a loser and says like hashtag not my wonder kid, which I thought was kind of a funny hashtag. Oh, is that a hashtag we can use? Yeah. Can we use that yeah. when we post our episodes? We will. Not, hashtag not my wonder kid. So it's it's tame. Trending. It's tame for what you see on the internet. And um, You mean people say worse things than that on the internet, Tom? Believe it, they do, man. Believe mm. it, they do. I know That's... you are wise enough to stay off of most social medias, um, and I think it's probably better for your mental health. Yeah, look how my mental health's doing. <laughs> I'm great. Crushing it. Crushing it. Um, <laughs> this bottle's empty. <laughs> But um, again, I, I I appreciate the overarching idea what they're doing, but unfortunately, I think what we've seen more so in this season than what we saw in the first is characters making decisions that don't seem to be within their character or, or writing that's going too fast to develop what they're trying to tell in this overarching story. So I think we're in agreement this season hasn't been our favorite thus far, um, but... I mean, there's still time. We'll see how they, they kind of wrap it up. I had a lot of love for season one. Season one to me was all about Ted Lasso, like his philosophy, like a positive influence in like a pandemic world, mm-hmm. a like politically weird world. Um, so like, that's why I love season one. Season two feels like 
like you said, they don't necessarily have an enemy like things were kind of fixed in season one. I wish what they had done with season two, I'm going to pitch this as an idea to you, and you can tell me what you think. I wish what they would have done is taken the team and like, not every episode, but gone into different players, what they were dealing with, and like how Ted would coach them from like a personal standpoint. Yeah. So kind of have like bottle episodes, like each episode potentially see like how right. Ted's impact on them personally right. and professionally. Because that's what you love about Ted. You yeah. love how Ted makes people better. Mm -hmm. And so I understand like that Ted himself has like personal issues. Mm -hmm. No one's a hero. No one's perfect in real life. So I understand what they're doing there. But what would have been interesting is to go into like the bumber catches or mm -hmm. the Zoros and like give us backstory on them and like how Ted, you know, could help them and stay on that positive vein, whether rather than this season, which we seem to be like meandering and the villain is now Nate. Mm -hmm. And before the villain was... It's kind of like Rebecca, but then like, not a villain per se, but she was like like the push and pull to Ted. Ted's right. trying to do something. Rebecca's kind of like, you know, pooping on most of his like ideas. But then you had Rupert that kind of comes over and he's like the Thanos of villains. Like right. he's the big bad that everybody hates. And then this season, you, you're like, oh, sh Dr. Sharon's the villain. She's yeah. going to be the one that comes in. Well, actually, therapy's good, so <laughs> I, and she's helping people. So yeah. how is she the heel? Um, and then it's like, I, I I don't know. I just felt like there was a way to do this, which you know I haven't seen the whole season, so mm -hmm. maybe we land this. But I do feel like the reason I love the show is Lasso and his outlook, and so once you like remove that. I become less passionate about this. And yeah. it's not to say it's not good. I'm not entertained, mm -hmm. but I don't think I feel the same, like, uh, I don't know, profound kinship to who Ted, who Ted was in the first season yeah. as I do in this one. So um, interested to see where they go. Still enjoying the show. I mean, the things I will always love is Jamie. Jamie is now just like, a funny character that happens. Mm -hmm. Roy's great. And when Ted is not doing physical comedy on a therapist's couch, <laughs> I enjoy. I do wish they'd have bearded more. I don't know. I feel like beard is kind of relegated to every once in a while. Well, but... and beard and, and Ted don't have that same dynamic that they used to. They don't have the little walk and talks where they're talking about like the English, British like sure. isms and stuff. That was really fun. Like, I don't think they've done any of that jokes. Like, that, that was another thing that I really loved about season one that we're not getting enough here. Like I get the idea of exploring a lot of these dramatic elements of these characters you're going through. Um, but it's not that fun loving show that I think we, and you fell in love with and, and brought me into it again. I still like, I love, I like recording this podcast. I like talking through the characters and the kind of the stuff with you, but it definitely has been a, a different journey thus far. Okay. Well, we will be back for season two, episode eight, and Tom is going to tell us that episode name. But while he's thinking of that name, which he knows already because it is established, <laughs> he 
you can reach us at uh, teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We do get your emails. We appreciate the emails. Mm-hmm. We are also on Twitter. We would be more active on Twitter if Twitter wasn't so negative all the time. Yeah. Hashtag not my Twitter. Hashtag <laughs> not my wonder kid. Yes. Maybe. Uh, but we're at Team Binge. And then we have a very well-maintained Facebook account, meta account, which is called <laughs> something. And with that, we'll be back next week to talk about season two, episode eight, which is called... I think where we are in this season right now, and we don't really know where we're going, I'm going to channel my inter Elsa and say we are into the unknown is the name of the next episode. Okay, so that episode is called Seeing as How We Don't (laughs) Know Where We're Going and We Don't Know What's Going to Happen, I'm going to channel my inner Elsa and it will be called Let It Go? No, Into the Unknown. Since I'll start from the beginning, <laughs> I will not. Thank like, you. Like the title of your article, it just goes on for days. Oh man, I thought I had it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I have been Julian. I've been Tom. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Three, two, four, one. Skit, scat, scoot. I'm leaving it all in. I know. I'm hoping you do. And we've come so far from episode one where you countered us in and didn't scat. All right. We're ending this. You're done. Boop, boop.